0: Hey moms welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of the Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling: Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschool moms, and The Four-Hour School Day: How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. Now, if you've read The Unhurried Homeschooler and you really enjoyed it, um, The Four-Hour School Day is basically like an expanded version of The Unhurried Homeschooler. So again, if you enjoyed that book, you will definitely enjoy The Four-Hour School Day. All three of those books can be found at Amazon. They can also be found at my website, dorindawilson.com. And The Four-Hour School Day can be found at both of those places and at any of your favorite booksellers. So um, I encourage you to go check those books out. Also, I have an online community where I am mentoring moms in taking a more simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling. And I'd love for you to listen in to hear just a little bit more about that. Have you ever heard the phrase, more isn't better, sometimes it's just more? The Simply Unhurried community is here to unburden you, to help you find joy in slowing down and simplifying your homeschooling so you can enjoy this journey with your kids. A while back, I created the Unhurried Homeschooler Mentoring Course. Throughout these videos, I help moms understand what it looks like to take a more simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling at all the different grade levels. This video course is free to all members of the Simply Unhurried community. You can watch the videos at your own pace or jump into a group that's watching them together and discussing them along the way. In addition to the course, you'll find other topics like general homeschooling, unhurried homeschooling at all age levels, and homeschooling struggling learners, as well as resources, practical tips, and conversation that will inspire and encourage you. So please click the link in the show notes and begin to find what you need to simplify, slow down, and love the homeschooling life that God's given you. Okay, you guys, so I get messages, I get emails, I get, oh my goodness, uh, DMs on Instagram. I get messages from lots of different places and I really, really try to answer all of them um, but if you have messaged me and I haven't answered you, it is not because I don't care or I'm ignoring you. Uh, the truth is I sometimes just fail. I get thing, uh, Things get lost. They get overlooked. I forget. I had someone DM me the other day. Okay, maybe you're listening today. It was Tim and someone else was the handle, the Instagram handle. And this person was asking about some good places to listen to uh, messages, podcasts, or whatever on biblical marriage. And I went back to answer that after going and hunting down some resources, and the message was gone. And so so if that was you, could you just message me back? Because I do have some resources for you. All right, so we've got the housekeeping out of the way, and today I want to address the topic of grade levels. You know, I've been actually pondering that topic for a little while off and on. It it would kind of come into my head and go out, Um, but recently I had an experience that really sort of motivated me to want to talk to you about this. But the big joke amongst homeschoolers is that our kids never know How to answer the question, what grade are you in, right? Um, But I actually love that for so many reasons that I'm going to talk about in just a few minutes. But first, I want to start by sharing with you part of a recent Sunday morning message at our church at the barn. Now, if any of you have listened to me for a while, you know that I have had Wes on a few different times talking about the biblical importance of education, the the importance of the biblical family, and he just brings such a strong message. And that morning, he was bringing a message, and it sort of sealed the deal when it came to uh, covering this topic on the podcast. So um, it was Elder West. Now, before I move on to to what I want to say, I want to stop and explain something, um, that our church does not have like a lead head pastor. We have um, elders, and they are all um, equal in authority. Some of them teach more than others, but we believe in a, in a, um, I guess a multiple, a multiplicity of elders. We are not a Latter Day Saints church. <laughs> the best description that I've been given to describe our church is that we are um, Reformed Baptists in ecclesiology. Presbyterian in liturgy and Southern Baptist in our potlucks. So I wanted to just address that because when I refer to Elder West, I think a lot of people think maybe that we're Latter-day Saints and we're not. So I just wanted to clarify that. But this elder, um, Elder West has been teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. And oh my gosh, you guys, it has been so good. I'm actually going to share the link um, to those messages in the show notes because they've just been so eye-opening and so helpful. But the piece that I'm going to share today really shines a light on where the idea, this whole concept of grade levels actually came from. So again, the credit goes to Elder Wes Johnson at Christ Church, North Carolina. So I want you to listen carefully. Um, I'm going to read this small section of his um of his notes that he graciously shared with me, and I'll let you know when those end. Okay, so here's what he had to say. The social scientists of the late 19th century Um, They speculated that individual people must develop along the same lines as Darwin said. The uh, uh, The universe did. Darwin published The Origin of Species in 1859, and by the 1890s, it was being applied socially. Okay, do you hear what's happening here? So what did Darwin say? At one point, this is what he had to say, at one point, we were all together as amoeba, then we were all together as fish. Then we were all together as whatever else we were on our journey to becoming, to becoming erect, you know, by uh, bipedal reasoning, flesh machines. This is the intellectually bankrupt theory of evolution. So now listen for its social application. If the segregated process of evolution, explains how we became so advanced and evolved evolved into more sophisticated species, then we can reverse engineer that process and apply it to individual and social development in order to become a more advanced version of the species that we are. Okay, so I'm going to stop here for just a minute because you hear what's going on. The whole idea of evolution was transferred over and started to be used socially Okay, so I'm going to go on uh, to continue to read his no- uh, Elder Wes's notes. So just like all the amoeba were together and all the fish were together during their evolutionary journey toward becoming something better, let's put humans who are in similar, quote, developmental stages, unquote, together to create a greenhouse for evolutionary development and progress. Darwin is where we got first grade. Second grade, third grade, etc. Well, technically, it was Horace Mann, Granville Hall, and John Dewey applying Darwin to society and education, but you get the idea. For the first time in history, we separated the young from the old, the immature from the mature, putting them in their own groups to influence and oversee each other, creating their own subculture structures rather than being immersed and forced to assimilate to the adult-defined culture as every generation prior had been made to. Within a generation of this theory being employed in the school system, the generation gap was born because a separate and distinct culture, a quote, youth culture, unquote, was given a greenhouse in which to grow. Now, almost all of our educational assumptions and norms, the things we take for granted like, quote, my kid should be doing this in the third grade, unquote, or, quote, now it's time for high school because my kid is 14, unquote. All of those assumptions and norms came from non-Christian evolutionary thought that stormed the West philosophically in the 19th century and then institutionally in the 20th. Prior to this, we didn't even consider age to be an important factor in education or development at all. Until the mid-19th century, we had one-room schoolhouses, birthdays were neither mentioned nor celebrated, and in the 1850s census, age wasn't even included. We simply didn't associate the passage of time with the evolution or development of people. That is a Darwinian assumption. And that's the end of what Elder West had to say. Isn't that incredible? I think as moms, we kind of have this gut feeling that the whole first grade, you know, second grade, third grade thing is just not quite right. And so to hear the roots from which this came was very, very affirming to me as a mom. Because as a mom who has graduated seven out of her eight kids, I couldn't agree with this more in terms of why are we restricting ourselves to this first grade, second grade, third grade thing. So I'm going to share a little bit of my own experience with you. And then I'm going to share the responses that I got from some of my grown kids when it comes to um, grade levels. All right, so did I make grade levels a big deal while the kids were growing up? No, I absolutely did not. Specifically, I did not in the early years because children are so vast and varied in those earlier years. Um, they tend to level out developmentally the older they get, like what by the time they get into high school, it tends to be a, a lot more even. But when they are... Uh, much younger, it is absolutely not. Um, So we have to be really careful. And this is why I wrote The Unhurried Homeschooler, because I realized parents were, they were chaining themselves to this concept that, oh, in kindergarten, we have to do all of these things or my child is going to be behind. Um, And and it's just such an arbitrary system. It's so much more arbitrary than we could even imagine. Now I'm not saying that grade levels can't be helpful at some point, they absolutely can be in certain ways, in certain circumstances, the older our kids get and I'll explain that um, in a little while. I did consider them to hold a little bit of value but only as I felt like it was applicable. I don't know if that even makes sense to you but it was more about like looking at my child, knowing my child, And whether or not, you know, something that they supposedly needed to know um, was really that important at that stage of the game. And I've talked about this before in other podcasts where I basically um, encourage moms to ask the question, do they have to learn this right now? Do they have to learn it in this way? Is this something that they could learn through life experience? Is it something they could pick up on later when there's a little more either interest or a reason on their part to pick up on that particular skill so many questions come into play and really it came down to praying and asking the lord for wisdom and honestly staying away from those checklists um that was a huge deal for me every now and then i might very seldom reference them lightly and briefly after i had prayed about it because i know myself i would tend to look at that as a checklist to box off cuz or to uh, uh, a <laughs> a checklist to check off and because that is how I'm wired and I know that about myself. So I had to be careful uh, when approaching that particular topic when it came to my kids. So that's kind of how I handled it. Absolutely didn't pay any attention to grade levels when they were very, very young and only started briefly sort of like kind of looking at them a little bit every now and then as a reference point maybe as they got older, and then a little, maybe a little more as they got into high school. But even then, oh my goodness, there are so many variables in the equation. Um, and I'm actually going to talk more about that in just a minute. But I want to share first with um, with you what our oldest had to say. Um, and she said this, she said, I suppose that grade levels could be helpful just for reference sake, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago. But literally, that's it. Okay, so This daughter is 31, has four kids, and two are school age, okay? Basically, she tells her seven-year-old that he is technically in first grade and her six-year-old that she is technically in kindergarten only because random strangers ask them about it in the grocery store. That's it. It is not made to be a big deal. She said this, Mostly, grade levels seem like a quick and sure way to make kids and or parents feel inferior behind Etc. And segregating age levels in general just seems really stupid and narrow minded. She said kids have so much to learn from people who aren't there age think one room schoolhouse. That's kind of how I viewed our our homeschooling. Um, our family was like a one-room schoolhouse where the older kids were learning from the younger and sometimes or the younger kids were learning from the older ones and sometimes the older ones were learning from the younger ones. They were definitely interacting and learning from each other. And uh, this our daughter also said, I think I only remember seeing my grad, grade level on my school books and asking, you, meaning me, the same thing when strangers questioned us too, LOL. All right, now I'm gonna share what uh, our son Luke had to say and actually his wife chimed in as well and she went to public school. So they sort of answered these this question together. I just asked them about whether or not they felt like grade levels were important. So here's what they had to say. Grade levels are mainly used as the expected rate at which you can force information on kids. Don't you love that? And if if you've listened to me for any length of time, you know that I always say forced learning isn't real learning. So much of that, that forcing um, at a particular grade level, um, those grade level standards are what, what are called arbitrary. And I have heard teachers actually admit this, especially uh, during COVID when everybody was having to go online and the parents were so worried that their kids were falling behind according to these standards that supposedly the school holds for each grade level. And the teacher's answers were, well, that's, that's actually, those are just arbitrary. I was like floored. Like I kind of knew that all along. That was my gut feeling. But to have them actually say it, was really affirming, again, as a homeschooling mom. What arbitrary means is, uh, it actually has several meanings, and I'm going to read all of them to you because I think it's important to understand the definition of arbitrary. It's subject to individual will or judgment without restriction, contingent solely upon one's discretion, Um, An arbitrary decision would be decided by a judge or arbiter rather than by a law or statute. I guess that really doesn't apply here. Um, Another meaning for arbitrary would be having unlimited power, uncontrolled or unrestricted by the law, Um, even going into like tyrannical, uh, like an arbitrary government. Another meaning is based on whim or personal preference without reason or pattern, just sort of random. And I think that's really what that teacher was describing. It was just sort of like, hey, we picked these and just at will and decided that these were going to be the standards. And how many of us chain ourselves and our children to that arbitrary list of quote unquote standards for each of the grade levels against Again, forced learning isn't real learning. And also the other thing that uh, my son and daughter-in-law mentioned was that this is why all the review happens in school because so much of the learning is forced that the kids don't actually retain it. So they're constantly having to review, review, review. But when a child is actually learning and experiencing real learning and connected to real learning, they don't forget, it is there for the duration. And that's what we're shooting for as homeschooling parents because what that does is it instills a love for learning in our kids. Um, and also they mentioned that the this idea about grade levels is more helpful for the parents than for the kids, but can become a stumbling block. And I talk about this on my podcast episode that's called Homeschooling Purpose or Performance, and I'm going to include that link in the show notes as well. The other thing that my son and his wife had to say was that it's so much better to use big concepts as your marker instead of those grade-level checklists. Um, Markers like, I can read, I can add, I can subtract, I can do division. So instead of looking at our children or having our children see themselves as underdeveloped, we look at them and they see themselves as just them. They are the unique people that God created them to be. The other thing that I have found is that there can be concepts that maybe we're supposed supposed to be technically, according to grade levels, learned in junior high or early high school and my child didn't really grasp them until after they were out of high school and had the need to grasp them so we grasp the concepts that we have a need for and so i think that's really really important and that's why interest led learning is needs to be it's such an important part of our kids education And I guess the question is, is it actually helpful to point out that, quote, other kids your age are doing this? Like, what is that really? What fruit does that actually produce in our kids? It really just encourages an unhealthy comparison game when really the marker should be skill-based achievement, right? Not testing, uh, not everything on the checklist. Um, I have a podcast where I talk about testing um, and just sort of my perspective on that, and I will share that in the show notes. Um if you've been homeschooling for any length of time, you know that a kid can go from zero to 100 and no time flat when there's interest involved, when there is a need to learn something, when they feel like there is a need to, do, to learn something. In The Unhurried Homeschooler, I talk about how um, it's kind of like digging post holes in Alaska. You know, you can go out there throughout the winter and just chink, chink, chink away at the ice, or you can wait for the spring thaw and get it done in a fraction of the time. And I've seen this happen so many times with my kids when I have laid something down that's clearly become like a stumbling block. It's become an obstacle. It's something that just clearly isn't going to happen right now. And I just choose to lay it down. How my kids, how many times my kids picked it up some other way, or at some other point in their education. And and just, like I said, I just can't encourage you enough to just be patient and trust the process because that process is a God-ordained process. Now, in high school, um, you know, know, I I hate to, I don't want to be that person who puts like all this pressure on um, parents who are heading towards high school, or have kids in high school but we know that at some point when high school is over we're going to need to transition them potentially to higher education college is not for everyone in fact i i think college is really not for most people anymore because the jobs of the future are entrepreneurial they are self motivated they are diverse uh, there are skills that are <clears throat> are yet uh, there are jobs out there that are yet to be defined that our kids are going to be doing. So what we want is we want our kids to be lifelong learners. We want them to love learning. We want them to understand their process of how they learn things. We want them to be able to flex and move and and sort of shift um, with the changing winds of what the job market actually is. So we want our kids to be flexible learners. And so that's not going to happen by chaining yourself and your children to a checklist. But like I said before, in high school, at some point we need to transition them. We need to communicate potentially what our child has covered in high school to in, a, in an understandable way to someone um, at the college, If our children choose to go to college or they choose to go to a trade school or they choose to do some form of higher learning, maybe just take some classes. And so that's why there's a little bit more of a need to be paying a little bit of attention to what that child might be needing to know. It just all depends on where God's gonna lead them and whether or not they're going to need or want to go to college for what it is that they wanna do. And so again, that's a very... Um. oh gosh, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, it's just, it just depends on the kid. I, I would pray through it. I do have um, a podcast on transcripts. I also have a podcast um, that I did on uh, high school and I'm gonna include that in the show notes because that was a really great podcast. Um, th- I talked with someone from True North, Uh, Academy, and she just had some really great suggestions for high school in terms of kids being able to follow their interests, but still we as parents keeping track of what knowledge and skills they've acquired and turning that into credits. Um, So I will share those in the show notes. Okay, so back to grade levels. At the end of the day, what matters is, um, you know, if your child is going to go to college, that they can actually perform in college. And so I love to share the story of our son, Jake, who was, I would say that he was not technically, according to the checklist, he was not prepared for college. And yet he started college at age 16. So uh, when he was in his, it was either his freshman or sophomore year, he spent his the first entire semester working on building our house. He did zero book work. And it was either a year or two later that he started uh, a dual enrollment at the local community college. Also, he hated language arts, hated it. So it was a constant um, just trying to get him to do the minimum because his focus was really math. He loved math. He was good at it. He had a direction that he was going. And so I let him spend way more time on what he was good at. And we just sort of fed uh, at a very uh, minimal Rate the language arts, and and so it was very interesting because when he went to college and he went to take his entrance exam, I assumed that when he took that exam, that it was gonna it was gonna really show what a horrible homeschooling mom I was because I knew that he was pretty good at math, but that we had struggled to really get um, the language arts down, and so he spent most of his language arts, he spent reading and writing a summary every day that we went over. And we just checked it for, uh, you know, grammar, punctuation, uh, sentence structure, you know, just general writing style, that kind of thing. And he did a couple other little things, but that was really the bulk of his language arts. So fast forward, he takes this test. He aces the English entrance exam. And I was completely shocked. But he said, you know, mom, you taught us to speak well at home. And really, that's all um, that's the bulk of what I needed to pass that test. And so, um, you know, I was just so thankful that I didn't chain us to this this checklist. Didn't panic when he said he wanted to go to college and think, oh my gosh, he has to do all these things and we have to get all caught up. So fast forward, he he starts his first quarter. He has a very difficult English class his first quarter. it was It was like three different classes in one class. It was kind of like a... They were sort of like testing it out, seeing how it would go. And I think they actually dropped that program after. But he wrote an amazing paper his first quarter and it got a B plus on it. And I looked at that paper, it had footnotes, it had all the, all the things that a good paper should have. And I was just in shock because I didn't teach him any of that. But what happened was he was motivated. He knew that he wanted to be a software engineer. And so in order to do that, he had to get through these classes. And all of a sudden the motivation was there and the need was there. So there are things that our kids won't learn while under our tutelage. But when the time comes, they will be capable and able to learn them. And it will make such a difference if they still have a love for learning and they know how they learn. And and we have not killed that love of learning by chaining them to a checklist. So, um, because here's the thing. When they get into high school and you do start paying some attention to kind of some of the things that they need to know. At that point, a foundation has been laid when it comes to their learning. Your child isn't questioning whether or not they are smart because they have well, they have a well-established, healthy connection with learning because we haven't chained them to this list from day one. Okay, so do you see where I'm going with all of this? So the next um, child that I want to share her comment, I say child, she's, uh, she'll be 30 this year. <laughs> she's about to have her third baby and she's homeschooling as well. But when I asked her about whether or not grade levels were, uh, really mattered all that much, She said, grade levels force our children into a box that they shouldn't be put in. It can make them feel inferior unnecessarily, and its only real application is so that people can socially, quote unquote, organize little humans that they have no business organizing in the first place. (laughs) Don't you love that? She said, kids have differing interests and skills across academics, just as adults do. And that has more to do with personality, um, and I'll say giftings as well. Then intelligence. When you try to assign a grade level, it always has the potential to either create false confidence or a lack of confidence in that child's mind and heart, which can serve as obstacles to the main goal, which is creating a lifelong love of learning. And then finally, I heard from our 20-year-old. She said, no one is good at everything. And we tend to set aside the things that kids are good at in order to focus on the things that they're not good at. We would call that a remedial approach. And I think that there are times and places for some remedial work, but I think we put way too much emphasis on it. And I talk about this with uh, Peggy Ploihar in the episode, Homeschooling with Confidence When Teaching a Struggling Learner. And so I'm going to share that link in the show notes as well. The other thing that our 20-year-old shared with me is she read some interesting information about Einstein a while back. She said Einstein refused to spend time on things that he wasn't good at or cared about. So here's how it worked for him in school. The language teacher thought he was an idiot. His math teacher thought he was brilliant. Do you see what's happening here? People, and then with socially, people thought he was socially inept because he only socialized with people he actually liked. And so at the end of the day, mom, here's what it comes down to. You have to decide what is best for your kids. What breathes life into them? What helps mine out those giftings and those, um, just those, that uniqueness of your particular child. Um, You know, when our son Sam was older, uh, he wanted to be aware of what they thought he should know in each grade. He really wanted to be aware of that. Um, So every now and then, when kids get older, a little nudge can be safely given by mentioning grade levels. It depends on the kid, but never ever used as manipulation or forcing something that shouldn't be forced. Um, I'm not telling you not to have standards. Let me just clarify that. But think through whether those standards are actually healthy and God-ordained or simply falling back on what we are familiar with, which, as we learned earlier in this episode, is actually rooted in Darwinism. Again, another reason to just lean into the Lord and take those um, institutional school glasses off And start thinking in terms of freedom. Start thinking in terms of what what is actually best for you, for your family, for your homeschooling days, because it comes down to this. Who are we trying to please? Are we keeping the Lord ever before us and yielding everything, even grade levels, to Him, or moving forward in our own wisdom, or moving forward in worldly wisdom? I'm going to tell you this right now, moms, on any given day. I would much rather have my kids know the the legitimate sting of recognizing their sin and need for a Savior than the false sting of failure to meet an arbitrary standard. The point is we do not want to serve the wrong master. If our homeschooling is revolving around what every child quote-unquote should know in each grade— We're missing the point of education. We're missing the joy and the freedom we have in homeschooling. And we're really missing the mark when it comes to the mandates in scripture that talk about the importance of raising godly children. God calls us to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So let's take those two words and find out exactly what does that mean. Nurture means padea. It is the general training of all parts of the child, spirit, soul, body, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So instructing his mind, shaping his character, bending, not breaking, his will, awakening his conscience to what is right and what is wrong, enriching his soul and building his body. We are growing whole people, so we are going to nurture, we're going to padea our children. The word admonition is nothesia. And it has to do with conduct. So we're encouraging children to do what is right. We're rewarding good conduct. We're confronting them when they do what is wrong. We're punishing their misconduct in an appropriate way. So consequences, where they need to feel the sting of that. I talked about um, discipline a few weeks back. I was talking about disciplining littles, but that's where it starts. Where That's where the foundation is laid, and um, I will include that in the um, in the podcast notes as well. But we are called to faithfully walk out Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that I'm giving you today, Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this reminder Lord, the world has done an incredible job of catechizing all of us, of influencing us in so many ways that we don't even realize. And so we thank you for opening up this particular topic to us and and showing us the roots of, of the whole idea and concept of grade levels. Lord, we thank you that we can actually move forward in a very natural and organic way with our children. But we are called to do the hard work of parenting, to do the hard work of passing our faith onto our children, to do the hard work of teaching our children a strong work ethic, to help them to love learning, to teach them to mastery. Uh, we want our children to, um, to master things, to do well at things, because that brings glory to you. We don't want to bring glory to ourselves. God, we are here to bring glory to you and our children and our families are here to bring glory to you. God, may we be found faithful to bring glory to you when it comes to raising our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. May we raise these children Uh, wholeheartedly and wholly, Father God, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, Lord, may we be faithful to instill your word and your ways in them. God, we thank you for the privilege and the honor of raising these children. Lord, we thank you that you equip us for this task. I pray for every mom listening, God, that you would just continue to pour out your grace and your mercy on her as she continues to move forward homeschooling and parenting these children. I pray for the marriages, Lord. I know we didn't talk about marriage today, God, but I do pray for strong marriages for every listener here. God, may we be found faithful to walk out our biblical roles, um, to understand what those are, and to walk those out faithfully, God, again, for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.